Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, the wild card schedule is set for the Tampa Bay Rays. They will play noon on Friday, a nooner at Cleveland against the Guardians. That'll start your AL wild card series. Again, noon on Saturday. No, I, I, saw, game, I saw a lot of people on Twitter yeah. saying that the Rays are playing at noon on Friday, noon on Saturday, the first games each day. Sure. And, and there's been a lot of jokes about, oh, they're going to be the first team eliminated. What about being the first team to advance when they sweep the first two games? <laughs> well, that's that's the half-full look, way of looking at it. Or you could say the season will be over by 3 o'clock on Saturday. Oh, well, that is a possibility. <laughs> it really is. I mean, let's be honest. Two out of three? Really? Two out of three, anything can happen. I mean, literally mm-hmm. anything can happen. Uh, you know, that... And, and I would feel good about who the Rays have on the mound the first two days, at least. If If... Vintage Shane shows up. He hasn't correct. been the same. That's correct. That is correct. And we have uh, Mark Topkin to talk to you about the Rays, about their five-game losing streak to end the season. Much of that was the tanking for Tito, Tito Francona that they did. But maybe they went a little too far with it as well. Who's to say? The bats haven't exactly woken up. Have we a have G-man. G-Man well, G-Man on Wednesday looked night. really good. He well, swung the bat well. You're right. At three hits, home run. So he looks toasty. They're going to need left-handed bats against Cleveland. They will. I'm not sure anybody else is swinging it all that much other than maybe Wander Franco, but they got a home run from Vidal Brujan who's probably not on the playoff roster. Um, but, you know, it's, I, you know momentum is, is usually tomorrow's pitcher, right? I mean, that's usually how it goes. Mm-hmm. But as a, you know, as a club throughout the year, they haven't swung them very consistently or very well. They don't hit a lot of home runs. They hit a few at the end of the season. It was good to see Wander get one. It was good to see Margot get one the other day. But in general, that's not their thing. It's very Cleveland is very similar, though, and we're going to talk about that matchup. And I, and I do think that you know their priority was setting up their pitching, uh, giving their bullpen as much time off as they could. They brought in a lot of guys from Durham to throw. Whether they had the lead, they didn't have the lead. They wanted them to eat some innings. I saw Josh Fleming was out there uh, quite a bit, uh, I guess, on on Wednesday. So you know, they it's all about the postseason, and now we're there. Now we're there. It's uh, it starts on Friday. It starts in Cleveland, and we'll get into this with Mark a little bit too. You know, the winner doesn't go to Houston. These are already bracketed. The winner is going to play your New York Yankees because. And, and if I'm the Rays, I feel, you know, look, the Houston's a better team, mm-hmm. period. I mean, you know, and stop. I mean, it's just they know how to win at Yankee Stadium. They know the Yankees very well. And if they get into an ALDS with them, I think they feel fairly confident. Well, and, yeah. and more important, they know how to pitch Aaron Judge. That's correct. And that he's correct. carried that Yankees team this year. He, boy, is he ever. Has he ever. I mean, think about think about it, and you, you'll we talked to Mark about this. But if Aaron Judge wasn't on the Yankees this season, 
Do they even make the playoffs? No. No. How many nights did he did he hit a home run and he was like the only guys that drove in run? And he did mm-hmm. that night after night after night. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just the home runs. It was the RBIs. I mean, he's going to – had an outside chance of winning the Triple Crown. Batted, what, 311, oh. I think, for the season? Yeah. yeah. Second in the American League? I mean, arguably the best offensive season of a player in, I don't know, how many years. Well, Miguel Cabrera did win the Triple Crown 10 years ago. He did. Yeah, that's true. But you could argue this is a better season than Miguel had. Right. Right, because he hit 62 home runs. Yeah, and particularly the way he carried his team to the playoffs. Right. No, I, I, it's, look, and, and he's, a, he's a decent dude. He's not a guy that you dislike at all. He handles himself really well throughout this whole, you know, kind of pressure-packed situation. Um, and, and people will get into the, you know, bonds versus is, it, is this the legitimate, you know, uh, non-steroid home run king. I mean, I'm kind of over all that, to be honest with you. If you want to, in your mind, say, you know, I don't consider those other records, that's fine. If you want to do that, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I still think, you know, it was a certain time of, the, of, of baseball that a lot of guys were, were doing performance-enhancing drugs. There's no question. Bonds is still one of the best hitters, if not the best I've ever in my lifetime that I ever saw. For my father, it was Ted Williams. You know, for me, it was Barry Bonds. And he, I don't care he's what by was far. Yeah, he's by far the best hitter I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I you know, and and the year I think the year that he broke that he set his record that now stands. Um, Gosh, I don't know. He must have been walked two times a game. And the funny thing was is that he would not give in. You know, they try to pitch around him and would as best they could. Hell, Joe Madden walked him with the bases loaded once, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think probably other teams picked up on it, but he he refused, refused to either get himself out or swing at a bad pitch, and I love that about him. He had you 177 know? walks that year. It's incredible. He batted three twenty eight. Yeah, his on base yeah. percentage was five fifteen. Uh, I mean, it's stupid numbers, right? And that's not even the best of his career. He he had an on base percentage of six oh nine three years later. Jesus, guy would not swing at a bad pitch. Would not go. And he, and, and another thing is too, if you threw him one that was that he could handle over the plate, he didn't miss it. Like he literally did not miss his pitch. Mm-mm. So. I mean, I'll, I'll argue all day. I mean, I, you know, listen, I, am I happy that he did steroids? I mean, these other guys did it, and I think Bonds got annoyed that Sosa and McGuire were getting all the attention for baseball and being painted as, you know, the two that, the, the guys that saved baseball and all this nonsense. And he knew he was a better player, and he was kind of mm-hmm. like, a, well, yeah, really watch this. Um, doesn't mean I, I dis- discount anything there and Judge has done, and the way he's done it, we think. Um, you know, it's been as you know with as much class as you possibly could, but and there's an still. argument to make this year for him that with the dead baseball or the humidifiers that they're putting the baseballs yeah. in, I mean, yeah. home runs are down this year. That's right. Yeah, he hit 62. Granted, right. he's got that short porch in Yankee Stadium that helps. Yeah, but a lot of his home runs went well past that. So, right. No, he's he's been impressive and. You know, I, I look forward to to the postseason, and, and and I hope. You know, I think the the key, you know, again is is can their big guys? Will their big guys carry them? Will there, will there be other players that'll swing a bat 
um, in the postseason. They didn't score many runs during the regular season. They they lost five to end the year. They had guys in and out of the lineup. You know that that's all that's all part of it. And it really just comes down to how you play this weekend. You know, and then you, you survive in advance, and then you get the Yankees in a series where you get to finally go home. Um, you know, you take your chances. I. I'd love to see the trop one more time. You know, they're going to open the upper decks if they get to play there. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun series to watch, uh, especially to try to get to the, the championship again. But anyway, uh, we'll talk to Mark all about this, everything, as you can imagine, about the Rays. That's coming up in just a minute. We'll get to the Bucks and Tom Brady in just a minute. But first, uh, May Electric Solar, you want to call these folks to lower your electric bill. I know you're – your bill is going up like mine, and these guys have been here in the area for 12 years. Now, there's a lot of these fly-by-night companies, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. So that right there is the main difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products. They conduct on-site testing. You see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, right? So you know exactly who's going to do the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, and preserve the quality of your life and the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. All right, the Bucks were back at work trying to prepare for the Atlanta Falcons. They're glad to be home. All of that, of course, applies. Tom Brady not practicing. He went out late and was kind of soft-tossing the ball around a little bit. He's got the shoulder injury. He's got the finger injury. All of that going on. I expect him to practice today, probably Friday. He's definitely going to play. Um, had somebody tell me with the Bucks that his shoulder, which, of course, was, was hit during that sack fumble against the Chiefs, that it's doing much better. Um, so he feels better than he did on Sunday, which is the direction you want it to go. But, you know, the plan was for him to take some Wednesdays off. Anyway, he had in the last two weeks, and he certainly took off Wednesday. And, and that kind of made sense. We also didn't see Todd Bowles, who had a uh, a personal day, something uh, personal going on. He did not make it to work. He is expected to be back today, however. That was already uh, apparently determined. So uh, whatever it was, Todd Bowles was not there on Wednesday. They've just kind of had, you know, a little trouble getting going here. Now, the good news is as far as the players go, the rest of the team, you had Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, all all practicing on a limited basis. Bashard Perriman was back, I think, on a limited basis. Um, we didn't see Logan Ryan. He was out. I'm trying to think of who else was big. Of course, Brady, Brady didn't throw. But it was encouraging – Donovan Smith was limited. He was out there as well. It was encouraging just from a a receiver standpoint that you could go two weeks now um, with predominantly your starting receivers, and especially with Godwin. And Julio, you know, he was limited in the game uh, and limited in practice, but I I watched him move around. He seemed to be running pretty well, seemed to be moving around pretty well. So maybe maybe he's a little bit on the mend too. They're going to need all those guys because they got to get the offense going. And – you know, I think that I think it starts with the run game, which has just been atrocious. By the way, we talked to Harold Goodwin, uh, who's the Bucks' assistant head coach, and you know he didn't provide many answers. He talked about how well they just haven't had many attempts. Well, 
I would argue the reason you haven't had many attempts is because you're not very good at running the football. Like, if you're second and 12 or second and nine all day, or at least to start the game and you punt, and the other team, like Kansas City, is explosive on offense and they go down the field and score a touchdown, and then it's 21-3, to three, yeah, you can say we didn't get to run the ball very much. But you know whose fault that is? Yours. It's, it's not anything the Chiefs have done. It's the fact that you stink running the football. So, you know, this is not a chicken and the egg thing. I mean, we know that if you're not going to beat your head against the wall, and if you're behind because you can't get first downs and keep the other offense off the field and they score every time, yes, it is your fault because you didn't run the football very well. So they've got to fix that uh, absolutely for sure. And what would a day be in Florida and the Bucks in general without – Another retirement. What? This team. What? Yeah. Tom Brady yeah. retired again? No. Oh, okay. No, no, okay. God, no. Phew. I don't. Phew. Not yet. Although, right now, I wouldn't put anything past anybody, especially him. But, I mean, honest to goodness, I've done this a minute, as you know. And there's been a lot of teams. And I've seen rookies walk out, you know, after being drafted, decide to quit football and this and that and the other. I, I don't think there's no way. And I don't know of a team that has had – more players retire and or and coaches unretire than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year's version. It's incredible. Cole Beasley, who just got here like five minutes ago, he's been here two weeks. He decided at age thirty-three, uh, yeah, you know what? I miss my family. I want to be a dad. I want to be. A, I want to be a father. And he went home. And I was thinking, I just talked to you two weeks ago, and you were saying you were wearing out Tom Brady on on Instagram, trying to get him to you know, to get you to Tampa Bay. But he got here. He caught four balls. He caught a fourth down pass against the Packers early on in his first game. And then he was gone. Out of here. So if he was wearing Tom out, he's here yeah. for two weeks and leaves. That's it. Is it playing with Tom? Wasn't it everything that was advertised? or I, I don't know. Or the receiver room got healthy in a hurry and I'm not going to be playing much? I mean, it was possible he was going to go. You know, he had gone on the practice. He was signed to the practice squad and then and then elevated, then then put back on the practice squad, then elevated. You can do that one more time, uh, and probably would have done it this week, I would assume. But you know, once you did that and he goes back down the practice squad, now you have to sign him if you're going to bring him up again to the 53 man roster. And maybe he looked at the numbers thing, or maybe, you know. Often say once you put the keys on the table, it's hard to pick them back up. He might have realized why he, why he wasn't in football, although he wanted to be. It wasn't by choice. I mean, he said, you know, it was dark and gloomy there. He didn't think he was going to get a chance, and then it was like, you know, how wonderful that Tom Brady decided to, you know, to weigh in and hook up with him and and invite him to Tampa. Uh, but you know, his family wasn't here. He's got kids, and and he's done it a long time, so. Yeah, just kind of decided to hang him up. Wasn't it practice? So some of the players didn't even realize that he had, that he had retired. They were surprised by it as well. So we can't go a week or two without somebody retiring over there. It's crazy. Just just unbelievable. But Brady looks good. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, you know, when we talk to him today, how his arm is doing. Uh, I'm sure he won't give us many details. But one, I understand the shoulder is feeling a little bit better. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Rays began their wildcard series in Cleveland on Friday. They have lost a season high four straight. That matches their season high, but also lost a pitcher in Colin Poche. To help us talk about that and the Rays and their playoff chances is Mark Tompkin of the Tampa Bay Times, who joins us now. Mark, I was watching this team over the last few days, and I'm trying to decide, was this strategic? Did they realize they weren't going to have the number one wild card? Was or you know, it was a matter of going to Toronto or Cleveland, or were they just simply resting players? Because I don't know how aggressively they pursued, you know, winning all these games. Yes, to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, obviously, they can't come out and say, you know, anything along the lines of. Uh, sure. what, what I think I called in the paper a couple of weeks ago, tanking for Tito, the chance mm-hmm. for cash to match up with his good friend, uh, Tito Francona, the manager of the Guardians. But I think it looked a little bit that way. I mean, the I think they feel, this is just me, but I think they feel like they match up better with the Guardians. It's more going to be more of a pitching and defense and low-scoring type game than they would with the Blue Jays, which if they turn into a slugfest, they're not going to be able to keep up with them. Uh, I think they're probably with a little thought about how the atmosphere at Rogers Center is going to be, which is going to be incredibly loud and crazy. And you've got a team of, of some young race players who haven't really been in that. And I think, and this is maybe the part where it bites you in the butt a little bit, but I think in looking ahead, you know, this is the first year of this new format and MLB is going to have to assess this. And I think there's probably one pretty big flaw in here that the Rays and, and maybe the Mariners, we can talk about that in a second. We're trying to exploit by getting, to the sixth seed rather than the fifth seed, which is it's already predetermined. The winner of the Rays Guardians series will play the Yankees, even mm. if it's the Rays, the sixth seed, and the winner of the Blue Jays Mariners game, which is four versus five, will play the Astros, the number one seed. In a typical thing, one would play six, you would think. The lowest seed plays the highest. So I, I think the Rays also see the Yankees as an easier opponent in the second round if they get there than the Astros, who by far are the best team in the American League. Wow, that is that is interesting and a flaw for sure, if that's the case. Just looking at their series uh, against Cleveland, they went 2-4 and four this season. They didn't score a lot of runs. Obviously, Cleveland has good pitching. Um, their, their, their July series, they were 1-2 and two as well. So you mentioned, of course, Toronto and, and the number of bats. They feel that this would be a low-scoring series, so they can pitch with them even if – and, and you know, is it a is it a it's a better matchup, obviously, but this is a really good Cleveland team, right? Not to be taken lightly. I mean, there's a reason why they're in the postseason as well. Yeah, that they they kind of ran away from that central. Remember a month ago, it was kind of a three way race. Yeah, White Sox, Twins, and Guardians, and you probably you know if you picked, you might have picked the White Sox at that point. They looked like they had the better team and they were had the momentum. Uh, but the Guardians just put it together and went on a pretty good run and, and took charge of that division. They play an interesting game, Rick. They play you, you'd appreciate it uh, from your your days, but the old mm-hmm. they play kind of an old school game. 
make a lot of contact. Almost everybody on that team can put the ball in play. They've obviously got the one huge bat in the middle in Jose Ramirez and a switch hitter at that. Really, really good starting pitching. Probably the best reliever in the game right now in Emmanuel Classe, and maybe one of the next tier relievers in Karinchek. So, and then a handful of guys you haven't heard of that do a lot of good things. They turned a double play in that series last week against Jose Siri that ended up kind of being the key play in the game. And you and I have talked before how fast Jose Siri is, uh, and, and they just made it look flawless. So they do a lot of things right. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They pitch really, really well. They play good defense. They're opportunistic. It's kind of like the good Rays teams that we've seen. I'm not sure if it's kind of fits this year's Rays team, but it's kind of how the good Rays teams have played. It was very interesting. Uh, speaking of pitching, and that's the most important part, obviously, of the Rays series, uh, their, the way they win their formula. We've got a couple guys to talk about, but let's start with Tyler Class now. Listen, um, kind of a bonus, right, to get – the big guy back and the few times that he's uh, pitched at the major league level, he has been fairly lights out. I mean, the, the fastball is in the upper nineties again. He still has uh, tremendous breaking stuff. It looks like he will go game two, Mark. And, and I mean, what, a what kind of a bonus is this that the Rays would get him back uh, for the postseason? Yeah, it's a huge bonus. It's a credit to Tyler, probably more than anybody else that, you know, he yeah. had the drive to get to this point. But it, it's a it's something that I think they had targeted. You know, he remember he got hurt in June and he he kind of went did one of those. Well, let me see if I really need to get the Tommy John surgery or not. And saw mm-hmm. a couple doctors, and it was kind of getting to that window where if he did it in early August, which he ended up doing, there'd be that carrot hanging at the end to get back at the end of the season. And you've been around these athletes too. Is they like if these guys have a major injury, they want them to the, the teams want them to have the surgery and be ready at the end of this next season. So they don't go into the off season wondering if they're, if they're mm-hmm. healed, they're not wondering mentally, they're not still having to rehab. So the plan was get Tyler glass now fixed by the end of this year. And if that included pitching in the big leagues, that would be great. And that became a, a pretty good motivating thing when he realized that the postseason, you know, they were going to make the postseason and that would be an opportunity to do that. So it seems like a win-win situation. You know, he went, he essentially went four innings the other night. I mean, he, yeah. he's in the box course third the strikeout wild pitch spoiled him from finishing the fourth but you know they asked him to go three innings and 50 pitches the first time they asked him to go four innings and 60 to 65 the second time he did 62 the strike ball ratio is good the fastball velocity is good you know talking to kyle snyder who has access to all the super high low analytics that they use he said that most of that stuff overlays on glass now from early 2021 when he was like one of the best pitchers in the game so they feel really good about him. I mean, sure, he's going to be amped up. It's going to be a very hyped-up environment. Uh, you know, can you necessarily assume he'll add another inning and another 15 pitches and be able to go 5-75? and 75? They'd love that. I don't know if he'll get there. But if he does, I think they're pretty confident that that bullpen can take it from there. That's remarkable. And, and of course, the guy that will start the series will be Shane McClanahan. And he had the shoulder impingement. We, people, you know, certainly Rays fans were worried about how he was going to come back from that. Mark, what does he look like to you? Does it does it appear that uh, that that he has passed those problems now? Have you seen any really drop off in stuff or velocity or anything like that? I'm still a little on the skeptical side, Rick, and and that goes against what what Kevin Cash and Kyle Schneider uh, and the Rays have been saying, and, and Shane McClanahan himself. Everybody says he's fine. There's no lingering. There's no injury. A. There's no lingering effects of the past injury. B. 
that he's fully ready to go. It's just been a matter of pitch command and execution. I know the velocity was good that last star. I think they said he averaged 97.1, which is obviously really good. Top end would certainly indicate health, but he just doesn't look the same. And I think some people are kind of looking to say, well, he was so good in the first half. He can't be as good in the second half, but it's not the same stuff. He's not pitching as effectively the strikeouts are way down, or hit, did hitters adjust? Sure, but they adjust that much that he goes from 9, 10, 11 strikeouts and outing to 2, 3, 4, which is where he's been the last couple of times, last few times. So, I don't know. I'll be, I think the Rays are, just like I said, I think with McClanahan, they're hoping he gets hyped up and that he really kind of delivers a great performance on Friday. That's what they're counting on. That's what they need. Uh, they're not putting him any risk, obviously, because they think he's healthy, but they need him to go out there and, and pitch like an ace. Well, I guess some of this will depend on what happens in those first two games. But, Mark, at this point right now, who would you think would pitch game three, if there is one? No, I think it'll either be Springs or Rasmussen. I think Kluber will end up being in the bullpen, which probably is a tough conversation, but I, I don't think Corey Kluber could argue with that. I mean, the dynamic stuff the other guys have, he doesn't match. Uh, and he'll be of more value to them if they advance and get to the longer series, this just being the best of three. I mean, I... I'm going to guess Springs is because the Guardians have more lefty hitters. If it had been Toronto, I probably would have been Rasmussen and go with the straight righty power on power. But if I was going to guess, I'd guess Springs. I mean, both he and Rasmussen have been relievers. Obviously, Springs was a reliever up until May of this year. So they have the experience of going back into the bullpen if necessary. Um, you know, does losing Pochet to injury last night, does that make them think, well, maybe they're better have springs in the bullpen? I don't, I don't know how they'll process that, but if you and I were just going to guess, I would guess springs would start game three. Well, I think I heard you talk about this, uh, Mark, the other day that maybe with Kevin Cash, they had a couple goals, you know, going in sort of these last couple series or this last series, which was, you know, they wanted to, Obviously, you know, see where Glass now was, see where their pitching was, and then also set that up, and also get the bats going. And while they were shut out, you know, the, the last rainy day in Boston, uh, we saw Wander Franco homer for the first time, uh, you know, since like July, I think. Manuel Margot might have been leaving longer than that, maybe May. Um, those are good signs, obviously. How do you think that they are are shaping up, swinging the bats going going into this postseason? I think it's all going to come down to Randy Rosarena, to be honest with you. He has been mm. absolutely the last couple of weeks. He's 0 for 12 and 1 for 28 going into Wednesday if they play mm. a lot of rain forecast. But he's been terrible. And, and Cash, who typically goes out of his way to never single out players, has said several times, as Randy goes, they go. And he also said, you know, yesterday I asked him pregame about Randy specifically, and he said, you know, if there's one player you're going to be confident is going to get it turned around come playoff time, it's going to be Randy. And certainly track record the last two years has shown that. And I know you guys talk about playoff Lenny. I think they're banking on October Randy uh, to carry them here a little bit. But they need him to get going. Yanni Diaz is a key guy. He's been obviously out of the lineup quite a bit. He played on Tuesday in the rain-shortened game 0 for 2, first time he played third base uh, and been in the lineup since September 19th when the shoulder started to become an issue. So he's a key guy. Wander having him, as you say, he has been playing well. He was the one <laughs> we were kind of joking last night that if the idea was to lose that game last night to ensure they were playing Cleveland, he was the one guy who didn't read the memo because he was playing way <laughs> too hard last night compared to everybody else or on Tuesday night. So having him 
you know, being spry and excited. He loves the spotlight, so he's going to be at his best. Remember him in the playoff series last year when they lost to Boston? How well he played, even though everyone else was kind of down. So Franco, Diaz, and, and a Rosarena are probably the key guys. I mean, you're right. That was the first homer for Wander since before he broke the bone in his hand. And it probably was a little mental hurdle to that, too. So that may be the kind of thing that gets him going a little bit, too. Uh, the rest of that lineup is going to be kind of pieced together like usual. I mean, you're going to see you know, Harold Ramirez against his old team in Cleveland. You know, he didn't have a great series when they were there last week. Maybe there's some motivating factor there. Uh, but otherwise, it's just going to be kind of patching this thing together and, and seeing if those three big guys can be a big part of this. Well, it, it, to your point, it was a Rosarena and Franco that did hit uh, last year. There were two of the guys that swung the bats well in the postseason. They didn't get much from any, anybody else. And this is a different team. If you can read Mark's story in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, you talk about, you know, if you go back all the way to spring training, it was signing guys like Jason Adam and, and trading for Harold Ramirez and Isak Paredes. Um, but then all the injuries occurred, right? Um, they lose J.P. Fireisen and, and Kiermaier and, and Andrew Kittredge, their closer, Brandon Lau, doesn't make it back. Zanino, I mean, all these guys fall by the wayside. Um, and this front office, this, this franchise has gone out and, and the additions they made Mark were not insignificant. I mean, uh, getting a catcher like Christian Bethancourt, having, uh, you know, some pitchers, uh, Armstrong and Clevenger. And, and, and then I think, look, Peralta, we know what Surrey does. He's got five tools. If he can put them all together, we've seen him do it in the same game. They've done a really good job in mid season that typically teams are really struggle to do that. These guys all seem to fit they all seem to uh to have boosted uh their offense in some way at times i, I think in many ways even though they, they won't win 90 games uh, this year in the regular season this has been one of the most challenging years and for them to make the playoffs and still be in a position maybe to you know to, to get the yankees in the alds i think is pretty remarkable i, I agree and then you know like i said the job that they did to, to just to to adjust on the fly you know, you're losing Kiermaier, and, and, you know, I know he's a flashpoint of conversation, and, and, you know, people, he's kind of a love him or hate him type of guy, it seems like, to some people. But the value that he brought to the race defensively, you know, it, it can't be understated how much premium they put on that and his ability to basically play left center field, right center field, and center field at the same time, and what that allowed them to do with other people on the field. You know, the occasional offense, the speed, the impact he could have on a game, the arm, the ability to make not just to throw guys out, but how many times third base coaches hold runners because he was out there. Mm-hmm. There was so much that he brought. And to lose him, you know, you'd think how many guys in the game there are that can even do that. And the Rays were able to go out and get one in Jose Siri. He made a play the other night, Rick, and ball hits off the left field wall. It takes a funny bounce at Fenway. So it's, you know, it was like one of the cubby holes in the scoreboard. So it ricochets from kind of left, left center, all the way to the left field foul line. Rosarain is chasing it. Siri beats him to the ball in foul territory on the left field line. <laughs> I mean, the, the speed and the impact he can have. So that was a tremendous move. Look, he's not going to hit right now. He's, he's kind of in between. He likes to hit the big home runs, so the average suffers. But when they tell him to focus on contact and he puts the ball on the ground, he gets base hits because he's so fast. So he'll figure it out someday. You probably can't be both, or maybe you can. But, you know, he's basically Kiermaier, and that's what they needed. So he they plugged that hole. Sean Armstrong, very underrated, just kind of that utility guy in the bullpen. Uh, and then Bethencourt has just been a, a godsend, for lack of a better word. I mean, they picked up a guy who – 
A Oakland A's with the worst record in baseball weren't really playing very much, and uh, the Rays were like, "Hey, we want you to come in and catch." You haven't done it, you know, as a full time basis in a couple of years. He had been in the big leagues in four years before this. He was in. Uh, he went to Korea to play. He sat out a year, and he had two years at the front and back end of that four year window at AAA including one for the Pirates last year where he was their best player and didn't get called up. How do you not get called up by the Pirates? Mm. So he got an The Rays saw something in him. He got an opportunity, and whoever, whichever, whoever Scott recommended him deserves a special commendation because the job he's done, I, I think he's going to end up playing more than Mejia in the postseason. I think they are that confident in him, his improvement behind the plate, and the ability to add more offense. Uh, I, I think he's going to end up being kind of their leading catcher. Yeah, swings about well, throws well, does a lot of things, and, and to find a catcher uh, the way they did is remarkable. They had an injury to Colin Poche, uh, not not good timing, never good timing, but the right oblique strain. Po- look, Poche's given up some big home runs this year, and I don't know how I feel about him when he's out there on the mound. It's kind of like a wild ride at times, but how big of a loss is them to get a lefty out of that bullpen like that? It, it, it is a big loss, and even more so that they're playing the Guardians because they are more left-handed, like I said, than – Toronto is, and you know the the, the Rays obviously appreciated Poche more than some of the general fan base does. Uh, he can run hot and cold, and he obviously did give up some big home runs, and he had some tough outings this year. But he's also a guy that has gotten a lot of big outs for them, uh, a guy that they had a lot of faith in, a guy that you know besides from that, just tremendous work to come back after missing basically two seasons, coming back from injury, but. You know, it's, it's been a weird thing for the Rays this year. I mean, pitching in 50-degree something weather last night in the rain probably isn't conducive to this, but they've had a ton of oblique strains. I'm sure it's something they're going to look at. Uh, but, yeah, bad timing. I mean, they were, I think, pretty excited by the idea of having four lefties in that pen going up against Cleveland. They're going to have to kind of reassess now exactly how they configure that. Yeah, it's a, it's a loss for sure. And I wanted to, uh, before we get out of here, I had to have to ask you about Aaron Judge. You've been around this guy for a long time, obviously covering the Rays and those Yankee series. Uh, you know what Judge is capable of. He's be- he bet on himself. I think Buster, only one of them, said that he thought that he's had the best offensive year in Major League history. Still, I suppose, with an outside chance of winning the Triple Crown. I don't know where that stands average-wise at this point. But put in perspective what we've seen, 62 home runs, the American League record, and presumably um, not attached to uh, the steroid era. Yeah, and that's you know th- there've been a lot of people framing it that way. There've been people suggesting this should be the the official or the quote unquote clean record because you know the, the people that surpassed him, Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, all have been connected with uh, performance enhancing drugs, steroid use, etc. I, I I don't know. That's a semantical debate and probably more of a philosophical thing. But I, I do think you have to acknowledge what Aaron Judge has done on it on a team. Yes, a star-studded Yankee team, but a team that not maybe to the extent of the race, but was also uh, hit hard by injuries this year that went through that miserable August. Remember the Rays were in, in there, won that Friday night game in that series, and they were within two in the loss column of catching the Yankees for first place in the division, having been 15 and a half out. That that thing was, they were about to blow it all up. Uh, and they, they bounced back, and Aaron Judge has carried them for a good part of the season. So not only his individual performance, his impact to their team to be the one guy who's been consistently hot for them all year, but yeah, historically, absolutely. And you know, think about there were people I know posting a lot lately. ESPN jumping in on it's been this many at bats since he hit that last homer. Yeah. It's been this many you know games, and he hasn't gone this long and this long, et cetera, et cetera. 
think of the pressure on him every time he stepped up to the plate of knowing the literally not only everyone in the stadium, but pretty much the entire baseball world and beyond were pausing to watch that at bat. And I thought his quote, one of the quotes he had after the game uh, Tuesday night was, now everybody can just sit back in their seats and watch a baseball game. I thought it was a very, a very good way to put it. So definitely deserves a lot of credit for not only what he did, the context of which he did it with how his team needed him and the pressure and scrutiny he was under. Yeah, a lot of pressure and, of course, breaking you know Roger Maris' record on top of that. Can't let you go without offering you congratulations, Mark. Uh, better you than me at this point, although my time will come one day. We can call, call you soon, uh, in, in, in a little while anyway, Grandpa Tompkin. <laughs> yep, exciting news coming uh, just before opening day, so it'll be uh, an interesting spring training for sure. But, yeah, very excited that our daughter and uh, son-in-law are about to add to another generation here. Fantastic news, and best of luck to them, of course. And he's Mark Topkin. You can read him in the Tampa Bay Times always about the Rays, and he will be in Cleveland on Friday as the Rays begin their wild card series against the Guardians. Thanks, Mark. All right, buddy. Take care. Always great to hook up with Mark Topkin. We'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about the Rays matchup with the Guardians here coming up on Friday. He's got to be a little weary. I mean, they've gone from – so what was their road trip? They started in twelve days, right? Cleveland, mm-hmm. went to Houston, that's right, to Boston, Boston, and now to Cleveland. Yeah, and if they win there, they may go straight to New York, depending on if they have to, if it takes three games or two games to to win there. I think they will have played like fifteen games on the road before they would come home. So they, they the continue. last nine games of the season were on the road. Yeah, you could play three road games in this series. And and two before you get back, yeah. and then two f- to start the ALDS. So right, what's that? Fourteen, 15. yeah. And then and then let's say you win those two in the uh, the ALDS. And you go back, and you win your first home game. Mm-hmm. Then you would go back on the road for the next two for the ALCS. That's right. That's so right. So it could be one game out of what seventeen at that's home. Crazy man, just crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's the downside. It's not good. I have my doubts about this year's team. I mean, I think it's I, – look, I think it was an accomplishment to make the postseason for them, to be quite honest with you, with all the injuries they had. You know, we're not going to see Brandon Lau in this series. We're not going to see Mike Zanino. We're not going to see, you know, a whole bunch of guys. Kevin Kiermaier, um, that's saying something. So, you know, from that standpoint – Well, think about this. It was, what, five, six weeks ago? Maybe four weeks ago? Three and a half games out of first place. The Rays were two games behind New York in the loss column. In the loss column, yeah. And now they enter the playoffs. They are they have the worst record of all 12 playoff teams. Right. What, they win, 86? 86, like that? that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, they have, I, I think, I think the Brewers tied them record-wise. They did not make the playoffs. Right. But the Rays, are, the Rays will not have home field against any opponent this postseason. Right. Even the sixth seed in the National League, the Phillies, had uh, 87 or 88 wins. I'm not sure. I mean, they're basically the lowest seeded team. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. And and proud of it. Well, <laughs> proud hey, to be there. You know what? The goal is to make the playoffs, and then <laughs> you figure it, it out man. once you get there. I mean, I think you help yourself if you had those two two out. Of, if you had that first series at home, I think it's an advantage. Absolutely. Uh, you would like, but if you're not the first wild card, it doesn't matter. Now it's just about who you play, mm-hmm. and I really do believe that. And as much as I don't think they're that afraid, although Toronto is way more offensive than than the Guardians are. Um, Guardians are kind of similar to the Rays that way. 
but it's really about who you play next. It's really about, you know, who would you rather have? Well, if if we're fortunate to, enough to advance in the wild card, would you rather go to Houston or, or the Yankees? I mean, all day, Yankees for the race. I mean, mm-hmm. they go there all the time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother them. And Houston's a better ball club. They've proven it all year long. So, I, as long and this is going to be baseball's problem. As long as they seed these things out like this, uh, teams can sort of, you know, tank for Tito. Well, and this year, baseball, too, there was four teams with 100 wins and there was four teams with 100 losses. Wow. There's not even where, anywhere close to parity in, in baseball. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we're going to talk a lot about the Rays, I'm, I'm sure. Um, not too long from now, we'll be previewing, previewing the Bucks and the Atlanta Falcons. Interesting team. No Codero Patterson, but they run the heck out of the ball. Talk to the Bucks and Shaq Barrett. We'll, we'll discuss that. Some of the comments he made that might have fired up the Kansas City Chiefs and just, you know, their inability to, to really stop anything, but particularly the run, just very unbuck like on their defense. So they got to be ready for that. So lots coming up this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Strato, Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody. 